Welcome to Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Being a fireman, father, veteran, husband, world record holder, and Ironman, he brings stories of experience to impact your life while challenging you to live it. What do you want from your life? Why do you want it? Are you willing to go through the challenges to get there? If you have the courage to take that first step, let this podcast be the catalyst to start your fire while you bring the resilience to make it continue to burn. Our lives are made up of moments called right nows. So let's get started. Forged in the Fires podcast with your host, Fireman Rob, begins now. We got the same love, the same love. Stay by your side, it's right over. Welcome back to In the Zone with Fireman Rob. We've got another great show for you today. It's going to be from the In the Zone archives, which you can see actually on EnduranceZoneTV.com, or you can get on your Roku devices, your Apple, your Google Play, all those great things if you want to check it out. Today's interview is actually with a uh, medalist who is a swimmer. Her name is Brigia Larson. I hope you enjoy this interview from In the Zone with Fireman Rob. All right, welcome to In the Zone with Fireman Rob, brought to you by Endurance Zone. Today's guest is going to be amazing, but I first got to do all the housekeeping. You know, if you haven't went to Endurance Zone TV and signed up for your own subscription to get all of our content, to be able to see all these, all the In the Zone shows, all of our new original shows, you might want to sign up today. But you can always go to Facebook or Instagram and see Endurance Zone TV and find out more about us. But let's get to our today's guest because she is amazing. And you know what? I'm not even going to give you the lead in because we're going to get to that story. You know, um, Bria, it is so great to have you on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, going into your backstory, this is is great because when you talk about Olympians, you're like, gosh, they, they must have had everything put in front of them. They must have had everything for them but you're one of seven. So tell me more about how that even came about. I mean, one of seven, you don't have all the time in the world. No. So I do have six sisters and uh, opportunities didn't come by as often as we probably would have liked. And we actually grew up in the ghetto in Mesa, Arizona, um, in an area that had very high poverty and low income. So it was, it was pretty tough to come by, but you know, at, at that age, we knew we wanted more, but it wasn't something that we necessarily asked for because we knew it probably wasn't possible. Um, but we did all the free recreation sports that kind of came through the school system. Um, so it, we didn't know any, any better, I guess. Um, I guess right. it's just looking back now, it's kind of incredible to see the leaps and bounds that a lot of us have been able to take. Right. And, that, and that's the cool part is that now you're actually bringing that to other people in, in your training and um, and we were just talking about this before about this Airbnb thing. I want you to tell us more about this because it's such a cool opportunity for people to actually understand an Olympian and have an Olympian actually tell them about how they can actually perform at a high level. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So Airbnb signed with the International Olympic Committee, giving us a platform to tell our story. And it's been really phenomenal, especially to see how many of us have started to um, work with it. And you're able to sit in your living room and have a live conversation with someone who's been able to accomplish some extraordinary things. 
And some of them, um, some of the, the experiences go through stories or teach you different mental aspects behind how you should set goals or showing really awesome equipment from their training. And it's just kind of a great way to humanize the athlete, I guess. I think that's, that's been one of the coolest uh, uh, points of feedback that I've received right. is that you're not just this holographic figure on TV, but you know, you, you're in your house, you have the same kind of struggles and this is what you're going through to try and make your dreams come true and how relatable that is to other occupations in life. And I think that's been also another thing that's been really great about being able to host these experiences on Airbnb to show how relatable the athletes are, that they are just another person that works extraordinarily hard and just have a different job. Well, the funny thing is, is that you may be relatable, but the metal that you have is not yeah. relatable to most people. You know, most of us have good silverware and, and uh, you know, keys, but you have this thing that's called a gold medal that not a lot of people get to um, be able to wear. I mean, I, I've, I made one when I was a kid out of like aluminum foil, but it's not the same thing. Uh, you were on a four by 100 medley relay. Tell me what it was like to be able to win a gold medal for the United States and, and be a part of a team that, that did that. That was probably the most patriotic I've ever felt. Um, in my individual race in the 100 breaststroke, there was a kind of a glitch in the system and, and it kind of messed with the mental side of the race. But I knew going into the medley relay that everything had to be on point, that I had one job to do was to stick to my race plan because the, my um, success would really help the team be successful in that. And, and that's what really matters behind it, that when you're on this team, you aren't just representing yourself. You're representing those four girls, you're representing your swim team, you're representing your, your family, your college team, your country, all the eight-year-old little kids screaming at the television, telling you to swim faster. That's who you're swimming for. And it's such a greater purpose than yourself. And so there's this, this strange adrenaline that I've never felt in any, any other circumstance when swimming on a relay, knowing that you have, and for me, I guess I, I swim for all those little eight-year-olds. That's awesome you know, that, that want to be in that position and realizing how special it is. Um, but, you know, I, I do agree in the sense that coming by an Olympic gold medal is rare, but we really all have our, our own metaphorical Olympic gold medals per se. You know, we all have that dream that seems objectively hard and we get intimidated by that goal. And some of us tend to shut it down and, and want to go another path. But I think it's, it's those who are so motivated and, and almost obsessed with achieving it that find the creative solutions to making it happen. That's such a, that's such a great statement. And, and it also speaks volumes that like you had your own individual race that didn't go well yeah. and you're at the Olympics and you're like, I didn't have the greatest race, but to have the mentality to come back and be a part of a team to create something bigger than yourself. That, that's huge. How, how did you reframe your mind after, cause you got sixth right in the hundred breaststroke. Yeah, I mean, six in the world, not bad. I mean, uh -huh. come on, let's get real here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's better than the place that I took was uh, on my couch. Um, but uh, how did you reframe your mind after that? Because you said there was a glitch in the system, but how did you reframe your mind to be able to go and say, that's done, I gotta do this? I think a lot of it, honestly, um, back in 2012 at least, I had a lot of ignorant confidence and everything seemed very simple. And I think once you um, are rid of that ignorance and you are more aware of all the consequences that could happen between every action you take, um, gets more intimidating. But 
I think back then, and I try really hard now, is just trying to be very mindful and understand the situation for what it is. Our emotions tend to take over and start to analyze the situation to make it very complicated for us. But a lot of the time, if you learn how to have a conversation between your emotional side and your um, more realistic, objective side, your rational side, um, you can really have a conversation and understand how big the situation is and how important it and why it is important um, to remain calm. And so when looking at it, you know, I, w I was pretty devastated um, right when it happened. I, I, what had, how it had happened is I dove in and I saw this big camera starting to race with us. And I got really excited thinking that the camera always follows the fastest person on TV. So I started racing the camera. And that was a very rookie move. You know, I, I had done so well at always sticking to my race plan every single time. And in the most important moment of my athletic career, I decided to change course and chase the camera. Just thinking it was a brilliant idea. And I just, I ran out of gas the last 10 meters. And when I realized that happened, I went into this mental turmoil in my mind, just thinking, I just lost Team USA medal. I was supposed to win. You know, my coach is going to be embarrassed and ashamed that I didn't follow my race plan. Everyone who donated money to help fly my parents to London just wasted their money. All the little kids looking up to me as their hero are going to find another hero. You know, and, and there was so much going on in my head, just ra going down a dark rabbit hole. And I, I realized that was happening in that moment. And I didn't want that to be my Olympic experience. So I, I knew I just had to take a deep breath and look around again. And when I looked around again, I just kind of realized that I was at the Olympics, you know, and I just had the privilege of racing seven of the fastest females on the planet. Right. And I looked over at the first place winner and it was a 15 year old girl from Lithuania, 15, 15, 15 years old. And she looked so powerful and strong and beautiful. And I realized that by looking at her, she just inspired millions of kids around the planet, right. millions of kids that were just like me when I was four to eight years old. And, you know, realizing that just from her doing that, it probably helped a lot of them create their own ambition and have inspiration to want more in their life. And just being part of that moment that just most likely changed the lives or changed the course of, of, of different paths around to millions around the world was so significant. And I realized how, how much bigger it was. That the Olympic Games, of course, there's a huge part about it with, with personal glory. You know, all the hard work you put in, show the world what you have. And, you know, the top three in the world will go on the podium and, and, and have that glory forever. But the more depth behind the games is how it can change lives, how it can inspire not only the children, but the adults watching as well. You know, and being a small part of that and realizing that it really kind of solidified that special experience of being in the Olympic games itself. And so having kind of realized that moving on to the relay, I realized I had one more chance, one more chance to, you know, have that personal glory um, and still try to make a difference. That's amazing. That's, you know, and that's the thing is that you look at the role models and that's, that's really what you're, you know, talking about is the, the people from around the world. This isn't just like, you know, I'm in Wisconsin. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's all around the world that are watching you do this, that are watching you, how you react, how you finish, how you treat other people in this moment. And it's so important. And, 
you know, I, I was looking here and you were a mentor for Olympians. So in other words, youth, youth athletes that are coming up into the sport and you see a lot of problems that arise from athletes that are younger, wanting to go for this next level, not understanding all the components that come into it. And I think you probably take that into the business and personal side of coaching that you do. What is that, what is that uh, intangible? What would you say that intangible is that Olympians have that uh, a normal person like myself or you know, a 15-year-old can take away and live in their life and actually be productive? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is creating a relationship with yourself. You know, and, and first and foremost, being kind to yourself. That is so important. A lot of us will tend to be very hard on ourselves. And, and I think that if we can learn to be kind and patient with our progress and understand that we are going to have lulls and moments of malaise and, and just kind of having that plateau, we need to be able to dig deeper and find where we can improve. And e- even if it comes with, from the little details. Um, I've just seen through having so many different teammates from so many different countries um, just be able to find little ways to keep their improvement going. So um, for instance, I had a, a teammate from Canada who probably had the best ability to swim quickly underwater. So we call them underwaters. She had some of the best underwaters in the world. And she ate McDonald's probably five times a week. <laughs> she McDonald's was, five times a week? McDonald's, yes. It like, was okay, now you, gotta, now you gotta clarify. I mean, it could be still McDonald's salads. Those are not the oh, greatest no, no, for you, burgers. but burgers? Yeah, she she had the metabolism that you would never be able to tell. Um, You know, she was very fit, very lean, had some of the best underwaters in the world. So why should she fix her diet? Right. You know, like, why should she? And I think a lot of us will will go into that. You know, like, we realize that we're happy where we're at and just accept the fact that we're not going to get as good as that person over there. Mm -hmm. Instead of really looking into our own routines and seeing where we can improve and being brave enough to take that step. Right. You know, being brave enough to, and, and I think it does take some bravery and, and kind of to take away that laziness factor say, all right, what do I need to do to fix my diet? Do I need to sit down for an hour a week and meal plan? Do I need to do some more research? Do I need to get off the addiction of processed sugar? Um, you know, and there's, there's a lot that kind of goes into it. Um, right. I don't know. I've just really loved looking into what makes people successful. And, and I think that executives of companies have a lot of, um, mental traits that match Olympians, you know, how motivated they are and how productive they are with their time. Um, it just kind of goes in a, in a lot of different directions to where people can kind of learn from, from both. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Now I heard that there's a oatmeal story that yes. relates directly <laughs> to this. I mean, you got to tell me the oatmeal story, the oatmeal story. <laughs> so, um, I remember my second month of school, first going into freshman year, that's when I really hit rock bottom. Um, so I had started swimming club when I was about 17 years old. So I knew how to swim, but I didn't start swimming at an elite competitive level until my senior year of high school. I managed to swim my way into a partial scholarship to Texas A&M. And when I got to school, I, I felt like I owned the world. You know, I, I had um, managed to save enough money to pay the rest of that freshman year off. So I wasn't going into debt. And I really wanted to believe that that was going to be enough. And I was just kind of falling apart in every direction. I wasn't really prepared for the academics, so I felt like I was drowning in my classes. I would oftentimes be asked to finish up a set in the diving well so that I wouldn't hold up the rest of my teammates. 
And I just would constantly have panic attacks because it was very difficult. And they told me to hold my breath for so long, I thought I was going to pass out and die. Now, no, I'm very dramatic. I'm extremely dramatic when it comes to swimming. Um, so, no, they would not allow us to go to that point. I think just the anxiety of it would bring me there a little quicker. Yeah. But um, there was one, one morning where I was just so completely exhausted that I sat down to eat a big bowl of oatmeal trying to recover. And I was so fatigued that I kept choking on my food. Like I was too tired to eat and I never felt that pathetic before. So I went back to my dorm room and I tried to take a nap, but my muscles were twitching so hard that I couldn't sleep. So I text my mom this very sad, long, pathetic message that just said, you might as well say your goodbyes now because I'm going to drown in the diving well today. They're going to send me there and I'm going to drown all the way to the bottom. They're not going to realize I'm gone and they're going to leave me there and I'll never see the daylight again. But um, so note the, the dramatics, but um. My mom saw this and just sent back a very simple phrase. And she just said, Bria, this is what it feels like to be a champion. How hard you're working, how tired you feel. This is what champions do. And that really hit me. You know, and I, I just began to think about all the different occupations. You know, what um, the, <laughs> the firemen, the politicians, <laughs> engineers, the parents, the, the grocery store clerks, every occupation has a champion. And those champions go to bed feeling absolutely exhausted that they can't do one more thing that day to get better. And I, I wanted to be a champion. So I, I wanted to feel this way. It was just difficult because with my mentality that I had, I was just depressed. And so at that point, understanding that being this tired was a good thing. I just needed to learn how to shift my mindset to make it more durable. And that's when I really started looking into the mentality of things and realizing that the brain is just a group of mental muscles that need help, that need exercises to strengthen, to get you through the day, to bring up that motivation, that confidence, that decision-making ability, you know? Oh, totally. Wow. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Now, are you, you're training for the Olympics, correct? For swimming? I am. It is very spotty right now. <laughs> yeah. You may be training for the Olympics in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Um, very difficult, but a lot of, a large majority of us are in the same situation. So I think many of us are in a panic. Um, because we don't have that, that solid routine that, you know, turning in 30 hours of working out a week, it's just not as possible. Right. And, and so that's frustrating. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how this is going to play out. Um, yeah. But again, I think that I've matured enough in the sense that I, I know how to handle it in a way. So one of my things I often tell, especially athletes, is they need to learn how to diversify their personal worth. Wow. So okay. yeah. being able to see that you are more than just an athlete and then finding out where your other passions lie and finding enough value in them that it's not going to destroy your entire world. If something like the Olympics doesn't end up happening. Wow. That's a, I, I love that statement. And on that statement, you know, I have to thank you so much for being on the show today. And, you know, we would love to follow you and, and maybe even get an interview when you are actually at the Olympics. Oh, yeah, I'm going to win your own gold medal, yeah. right? We'll do that. We'll do that. <laughs> I, cool. Maybe an interview from when you're standing on the podium. 
we'll just do a zoom right there. You know, oh, you just hold on around. to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, I'm talking to Fairman Rob. Wait on the national anthem for one second. <laughs> you say a quick hello. <laughs> yeah, there you go, I like it, I like it. Well, we'll definitely have you back on because we want to hear your story again and, and you're such an inspiration. Um, Bria Larson, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find out more about you? So all of my social media handles are just Bria Larson. Pretty easy. I've got a, got a weird name, so I can put it on everything. Um, if anyone is ever interested in taking the workshop to create their own Olympian mindset, please reach out on LinkedIn. I absolutely love hosting these. Um, I've done it for a lot of really great companies like Accenture, Capital One, Google, um, a lot of really great teams. So it's, it's helped a lot of people, and I enjoy doing them, and I think it makes a really big difference. That's fantastic. And, and it's also supporting dreams of Olympians and, and like yourself yeah. to be able to be able to have that opportunity to represent the United States in the Olympics. I mean, just amazing. So we wish you the best of luck. We know that you don't need our luck. Um, that you'll do great. And we will definitely talk to you again. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode of In the Zone with Fireman Rob with Breesia Larson, Olympic swimmer. Just a fantastic story. Thanks again for joining us on Forged in the Fires with Fireman Rob. Remember, your strength is in your passion. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening and supporting the Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Remember, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And please share this episode with a friend or family. To find out more about Fireman Rob or reach out about a question, go to www.firemanrob.com. Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.